When I coach a lot of people, that's the struggle. Either they're, they have no idea what they want to do or who they are, and they're continually seeking gratification and momentary pleasure in success or things, and they just left feeling empty. Instead of saying, okay, who have I been designed to be? What am I gifted at? How can I add and impact the world? And be more curious of that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lifestyle Engineer Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chenard, and today I have Louis Vandervoek with me. Louis is a serial entrepreneur located in New Brunswick, Canada, so fellow Canadian. If you guys can hear the accents, I'm sure you can. I can hear it, but you will pick it up. With a background in construction trades, a degree in medical, mechanical rather, engineering. Louis started a business doing digital marketing for contractors in 2019 with no formal business or sales experience he has ridden the roller coaster of business and personal development and surrounded himself with coaches and mentors who have helped him grow and develop currently he is an owner owner of blue crocus did i say that right you did yeah nice solutions a digital marketing company providing web design seo and google ads to contractors as well in may of 2021 he partnered with and helped grow local junk removal company using these results driven marketing tactics i liked how you like so you sent me that prior it flowed very nicely welcome lewis matt super excited to be here appreciate the uh the honor and and uh excited to dive in I, we, were, we were chatting earlier but your questions leading up to this are so good i'm, I'm excited to see where this goes yeah and i mentioned as well that i have to derek derek batman is who i borrowed them from and all good entrepreneurs borrow right and yep. <laughs> i did ask if i could use it so then we're just continuing to help each other grow so we connected and you just remind me of this beforehand because you and your kiddos were watching my ice tub videos correct correct yeah we, were, we caught a couple of reels and i was like hey guys check this out he's like because i had uh like i i take cold showers and I run and whatnot, and they, they love that stuff, right? So I was like, look at this guy. He's like sitting in ice water. And then they watched from and they're like, we want more. And so I went over <laughs> to your page, and it's just all ice, ice just video all reels, ice right? Videos. Yeah. And then they were asking me, that I think it was the next day, like, Daddy, can we watch more ice videos? And so I reached out, I connected with you, reached out over Messenger, and I was like, hey, just so you know, you know, the kids love this stuff, you know, and I, I love it and, and uh, love the messages you put out there. So I wanted to reach out, and then we connected on a zoom call and yep. here we are you know yeah, it's only been a are. couple months since we connected i think yeah yeah and i i thought to myself i really would love to have lewis on my podcast because i mean you're up to so much you're a great person and talking about ice baths like personal growth so what do you do to continue growing as an individual that is that's such a multi faceted potential for answers right but mm -hmm. um i would say the probably the biggest driver of my personal growth is my wife um and the kids you know it's uh, i had this conversation not long ago with uh with another person on their podcast but i look at entrepreneurs who are single you know they're in their early 20s and they're just crushing it like in some of the groups that i'm in and i'm like man imagine if i had all the time that they have to do what they're doing right if they're working all these different things and i was like man like what would that be like and i got to thinking and i thought 
you know, if I didn't have the family and I didn't have Alyssa, I would not be the man that I am today. There's no freaking way that I would be the man that I am today because one, Alyssa has ground down my rough edges and, and shaped me into a much different person and better person than I was when we met. And then the kids, uh, we can dive into this a bit, you know, later on, but the kids have brought out sides of me that I have been, yeah, I was terrified to be my dad, um, you know, to, to summarize it here quickly, we can dive in more if you want later, but I was terrified my whole life of being my dad. And the kids brought me face to face with that, right? You know, I see things come out, I see things I have to deal with similarities in my dad. And so it's, okay, now I'm not just running away from being my dad, I'm getting to the root of what makes me do those things. Um, so the kids and Alyssa are the biggest, like in my face drivers of, you know, I've got to get a hold of this. I've got to get to the root of this. I've got to, to grow here in personal life. And then outside of that, in the business world, you know, you've got to keep growing to lead a team and to, to keep, you know, I think the money that we make as a result of the development that we go through. It's a, it's an, a lag indicator of the growth that we go through. Um, you know, in the work that we put in, right? So surrounding myself with coaches, um, you know, that was something early on was diving in with with coaches um, and getting that continual feedback. I like group coaching, but I prefer one-on-one coaching because what you can do then is you have that accountability um, and you have that, hey, we talked about this two weeks ago, Lewis. What's, uh, what progress has been done on the lesson? It's like, oh crap, I'm paying a good deal of money to this coach i expect you to do that but if i'm not doing the work then what use is is the coaching right so so having that sort of accountability and the insights like uh i I worked with a guy in australia for a year and a half um and we coached he coached me every week we built our systems we built out um, sales stuff and there were times where like as i was growing from four people on the team to now like 20 at one point we were 25 we've scaled back a little bit there were times where it was just like everything is going wrong what's like what sam what do i do and then having that input into okay this is normal you know there i had i had this idea at the beginning of business ownership that if i could just get to a certain number in revenue everything would be honky dory right right and what happens is it it's not the same problems you have when you're at 5k a month, when you're at 50k a month, it's different and more challenging things that come up. And, you know, one of the one of the things that Sam said, that's always stuck with me is don't confuse struggle for failure. Life is a matter of continually growing and pushing. So family, mentorship, and then, you know, on top of that would be books, you know, I'm, I'm a voracious reader and more listener than reader, but I'm probably consuming four or five audible credits a month, you know, on whatever topic is at hand, whether it be history or right now I'm like massively going into like niching down or team building and process building. Like those are whatever I need to absorb. A book is a very cheap and easy way to get a hold of some excellent information. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you utilize it and you mentioned that your wife, Alisa, correct? Alyssa. Yeah. Alyssa. Um, she's part of that refining process, getting rid of some rough edges and then your kids as well. So like I'm acting like a mirror to push yeah. back at you and say like, Oh, this, maybe I should work on this. Cause they're going to, they're going to glean a lot of things from you and the struggle 
it's uncomfortable to grow. It really is uncomfortable. <laughs> Rarely, like obviously I'm a big encourager of celebrating and celebrate the wins, continue to grow, continue to pursue things, but know that in order to grow, it's not going to be comfortable, right? If you, we have this mindset or this perspective that we can become better versions of ourselves or grow or accomplish things with purpose, it's going to be uncomfortable. And, but there's a lot of fulfillment and meaning in that discomfort when you do it for the right reasons, right? You're not just pursuing a million dollar business, a $2 million business or a nice house or all these different things. You are growing and the byproduct might be those things. So Lewis, you mentioned um, your dad and you said you could talk about that later. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So I was raised in a very my parents were raised, you know, it goes back to how they were raised too. And they just were the best parents they could be with what they had. And I see that now, but I was raised in a very, a very religious, uh, conservative religious household. I was actually brought up in a community of uh, people. It wasn't like a, um, you know, a specific denomination, but, um, my parents were very strict and they, the letter of the law was the most important thing because they were terrified of being found, lacking themselves or being judged by the other members of the community and so it was like there was no there was no leniency that you know emotion wasn't allowed you know emotion was was dangerous and scary right um uh and so being brought up in that as well as you know never never being affirmed in anything i did it was always this is how you could have done it better or oh yeah if it was me you know nice job would have been the the best. I, I don't even know if I ever heard that, but like, oh, cool. But like, if it was me, this is what I would have done coming from my dad. Right. And so I actually got to the point, I realized this in when I went to university, um, when I messed up at anything, I would get red. My face would get red and like hot because I was so scared of, I realized afterward, but it, I was, I was worried about the criticism that would be inevitably coming. Right. Um, and so working through that was big, you know, and, and you mentioned the kids. I was never, you know, we didn't talk back to, to dad, right? It's like you, you obeyed, you did the thing that was required of you, right? So um, a funny story, I say with quotes here, was it wasn't that long ago, maybe a month or two ago, um, I was cleaning up, Alyssa was putting the baby down. I was cleaning up the living room with the kids. And I had a call right after they went down, like right after Alyssa took them to go to bed. So I was like, okay, hey guys, you know, we've got to get this cleaned up so that, you know, daddy can go to his call after. Well, the way that I approached it was there was no other solution for our kids to do but to push back. And Everett decided that he didn't want to clean up. And he was, he, he's three, three and a half. And he said, uh, no, I'm going to mess all the toys up that daddy's cleaning up. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> so I got them all in a box and I took them into the kitchen. And put them up on a shelf so that he wouldn't uh, be able to dump the box, you know. Because at this point, now it was like me versus this kid. And uh, one of my mentors, I was telling him this story. He's like, "So it was a thirty-year-old kid, you know, in a standoff with a three-and-a-half-year-old, wasn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was. It was. I, I let my emotions get the better of me, and I held my ground. He was like, "You can't talk back to me like that, right?" Um, and so I took the toys into the into the kitchen. He was extremely distraught because we don't take the toys into the kitchen. 
Um, it ended up Alyssa actually came out of the baby's room to help defuse the situation, uh, but not before I had taken the box because he was making such a ruckus and I just threw it into the living room. And all the toys, you know, it's like if he's, if um, I don't want him to mess it up, at least I can be the one to have that control and, you know, right. throw right. them around. So that's pretty recent, right? And so these things, I then had to look at myself and, you know, there were conversations surrounding that, but I have such a desire to be right because I was so scared of that failure growing up. But also the pattern that I was taught was you don't talk, speak back to your parents. And there's no, no way that you, you know, once I make a decision as a parent that I can go back on that because that shows weakness. Right. Right. So many things to uncover. And that's just one example. But, mm -hmm. you know, we speak of them being the mirror or bringing out the things in you that maybe aren't the, the most admirable. But then being able to step back and be like, man, Everett, I'm, you know, it took me a second, but it's like, Everett, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, daddy was not respectful to you. Um, and that's, that's not how we want to do this. So the repair after that's one thing that I'm getting better at the repairs. That was also something I never had repairs with my father. Um, so being able to, you know, Hey, I'm going to act out cause I'm learning my emotions at 30. Um, but then being able to go back and say, Hey, this is not how we want to act. This is not, right. that was not respectful of you. We talk about respect a lot. Um, and next time, you know, this is what I'll do. I'll, I'll listen to Everett and, you know, we'll, we'll figure out a plan. Right. But yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of those little instances that are happening and developing me into a better father. Right. Well, that's, yeah, that's it. Right. Like all these instances can shape you if you let them. We don't, yeah. we're, we're due in July for our first one. So that's we've so only exciting. had our puppy as an experience, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, there's even, even that for me is like, oh, I have a lot of attributes that I don't necessarily <laughs> love that came out during that time. Right. Um, so you mentioned like if we, more of the broad, like you said, your parents were more conservative and maybe more critical it do you find that you also have to balance let's say that's like the archetype do you have to balance not letting the pendulum swing all the way to the other side too it's interesting i was having a conversation with my sister about that um a couple of weeks ago the path that we've taken is that one you can never love your kids too much if right. you're showing them genuine love right and and giving them as many hugs as they need and letting them explore the world the way they want. This is still a learning curve for me, but the path that we're taking. So Alyssa did um, psychology and, and developmental psychology and social work. That was the path, she okay. took, you know, with, uh, with, you know, being a mom is like her pinnacle achievement of her career. Right. Um, and so she has, she's very grounded in that. So for me, a lot of it goes counter to what I was raised at. Like, you know, you don't spoil your kids. You don't do this. I have a fear, uh, like when I was growing up, I, I was a shapeshifter because I needed love and I wasn't getting it necessarily from my parents, mm. right? So your question of, do you go the other way and let them do whatever they want? Within, I've, I've told Alyssa this, you know, she's like, she has a way that works well with the kids. And I'm like, that's, I need like rules. I need like, this is what we do in this situation. This is what we do in this situation. But it's never like that. Um, and what I've come to realize that works so well with her when she's with the kids, is she has like 
external boundaries. Like you don't run into the street. That's a hard line, obviously. Right. You don't, um, we don't hit, you know, you don't bash your sibling over the head. You know, that's going to happen. But within that, there's a lot of leniency and a lot of teamwork. Like, hey, this, you're super frustrated by the fact that it's supper time now. Okay, well, you can, like, we're, we're going to leave the food at the table, but you can walk around and you can do whatever you want. And you can explore that. Or um, some other examples would be, you know, it's it's time to, to you know, brush our teeth and go to bed. You don't want to do that? Okay, maybe you're not ready for bed. Let's explore that. Or maybe we can explore some way to teamwork-wise approach the problem. Um, so it's it's very much a learning thing for me, but I think the it's not swinging the pendulum or swinging the door open to, hey, anything goes. It's, right. you know, there's some some general guidelines, but the most important thing is how can we do this as a team? And it's right. not just my way or the highway as the parent, because that that is my archetype for parenting that I grew up with, that is slowly right. being reshaped and reformed into, hey, they're kids, you know, they're, they're fellow humans. And who are we to, you know, say that our way is right? There's, there's the example of the um, carpenter versus the gardener. You know, the carpenter shapes and forms and chisels and, and builds something. And that's, that would have been the archetype that I was raised with. You know, we're going to make you into the person that you, that you need to be and, and chip off all the rough edges. But instead, there's the gardener kind of just helps and is there and waters and loves and, you know, weeds as needed. But it's, it's much less, we're going to make you into person and more we're going to be there to support the person that you're becoming. Right. While modeling more than, than shaping. Right. Modeling is, is a huge thing because they see everything. And, and the word tracks that Alyssa uses with Everett, he now uses with his sister. You know, it's like, or, or when, when I do something to him that's not respectful, he's like, Daddy, you can't do that. We, we, that's not respectful, right? And so he right. knows that now. And so he's going to grow up knowing that he has worth. You know, he deserves respect. And he's going to stand up for that. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned the gardener still weeds. It's not like there aren't any parameters, right? It's like the whole love and truth thing too, right? Like to love is not, is not always super pleasant, right? Like you have to have parameters, you have to have guidelines. And I know it's not exactly the same, but running big teams, there has to be parameters, there has to be expectations, KPIs, whatever you want to call it in order core values, right? If we're talking more abstract, there's core values, there's a vision, there's a mission, there's a culture that you want to live into. And there's also the um, KPIs, the more measurables. So how has, how have those played into each other? Like being, being a father and then also being a leader and a business owner, have you seen similarities in that? Um, I, I thought you were going to take the question a different way. Um, you can answer I that thought you were going to take it to, you know, how's the balance? And I was just saying, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, because I do find, I do find business can be more, at least my position in the business as the leader. Um, and ultimately the one where the buck stops, you know, I'm responsible for stuff, good or bad. Um, I find that there's more structure. And sometimes I crave that when I'm a father. 
sometimes I want, like I mentioned before, I just want Alyssa to tell me what do I say in this situation or what's the, what's the way that we handle this when it really is a, a much more fluid and empathetic approach. And I think probably I'm becoming a better business owner as I become more empathetic and more mm. team oriented. But the, the balance there is it's different. And, and certainly like before, like in 2020, I would have said, told you, frankly, I hated being a father. I, I was a failure in my eyes, you know, and I've worked through a lot of that criticalness of myself, but it was an inconvenience to be a father to me. Right. And so now, now I enjoy it much more and I've, and I'm leaning into it as like, Hey, this is a calling I'm shaping three people's lives forever. As I, as I begin to learn how shaped my life was by my parents. Um, but it's, it's an ongoing, very nuanced thing being a parent for me anyway. Right. Yeah. It's one of the most important things you're going to steward right in this life. And I, I use the word steward intentionally because it helps us shape the perspective of we're not owners of any of this, right? Anything could be gone tomorrow and we want to steward and become the best we possibly can. And like, so I'm looking at some of the things you've accomplished and some of the other things like you, you have an engineering degree, you've built a team of 20, you have had high six figure months. Um, you built a blacksmith forge and did blacksmithing for two years. So are you someone that needs to continually create? And if I were to say you have to do the same job for the next 10 years and you can't change it, what is that? What I'd feel person? trapped. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> what emotion does that elicit in you? I would feel trapped. I think there's an element. I've been, I've been looking at that, actually, because I've been doing this now. Um, the marketing thing for well, 19 to, to 23. Right. And so it's like, if I look back at the cycles in my life, I'm just 30 now. Right. So four years after high school, I worked in, in uh, construction Then I went did five years of university. And then now it's like, I'm coming up on the next five years and it's like, I wonder if there's going to be like this big itch to switch. And I think what I've realized is I was always, I was always seeking the completion of myself through the things that I did. If I really, really got into the, into the root of what I was doing, um, construction, not so much because I just kind of fell into that out of high school. Um, and I was the first person to, in my family to go to university, but university became an identifier of myself, you know, an identity, right. As I went through engineering is a very, it's a very clicky group of people, right. You've got the right. ring when you finish up here in Canada, um, it's like, oh, you're an engineer. You're just automatically everyone in engineering thinks they're better than everybody else in university. Um, and I, I didn't really, I, I started to realize it's like, if that's, if I'm basing my identity on the ring, like what, what, how shallow is that? Right. Um, so I don't actually, I, I got the degree. I never got the PNG because I moved into marketing and I, and I see myself much more free in this space than engineering. I went into engineering because no one in my family had gone to university. And my cousin was like, oh, you like fixing things and science. You should do that. I did well at it. But my point being is I've kind of moved on from that identity. And I think now I'm realizing my identity isn't a business owner or an entrepreneur either. It's a person. I'm Lewis. Um, and so 
Now, you know, my initial reaction is that I would feel trapped, but I also think that I'm not seeking for external validation of my identity as much. Mm. Right. You know, if, if there was an identity that I fall back on more now, it's being a father and being a husband, because those are the things that are going to last a whole heck of a lot longer than the business and the blacksmithing or the mechanical engineering or anything like that. Right. Yeah. And, and that, then the... that feels weird to say that, you know, because uh, three years ago, like this was it. I was going to be the millionaire entrepreneur, you know, and that was going to be the way I found validation for myself. Right. Well, when I coach a lot of people, that's the struggle, right? Is either they're, they have no idea what they want to do or who they are. And they're continually seeking gratification and momentary pleasure in success or things. And they just continually be left feeling empty. Um, instead of saying, okay, how, who have I been designed to be? What am I gifted at? How can I add and, and impact the world and be more curious of that? Cause you mentioned you have an engineering degree. Um, but you're, if you just think of it that you're using those skills you developed or your gifts and talents in one sector. So I don't know what you, I guess you didn't go any further than just getting the degree. So you didn't probably specialize in anything. Particular, well, I did. Right? So, so throughout the degree, I, I actually worked all throughout the degree okay. doing mechanical design, like a co-op um, program. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was, uh, they gave me a salary actually, which was sweet. So I worked full time in oh, the cool. summer and then part time in the winter. Um, and I did mechanical design for a company that basically built things for people who are paralyzed to be able to drive vehicles. So hand controls, so you could drive and, and brake uh, with your hand instead of your feet, that sort of thing. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and I got a lot of gratification out of that role in, in it, but it just wasn't the thing that fit ultimately into my family's future. Cause I graduated right. in 2019. Um, Everett was born in, in June of that year and I was going to work before he was up and coming back and barely seeing him. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't the final step here. You know, we thought the career right. in engineering was going to be the thing that gave us stability. turns out I was let go from my job like 21 days after I started this business. Okay. Um, unrelated, but the, but it gave more emphasis to the fact that, Hey, maybe careers aren't as stable as they seem. You know, right. that was, that was a big turning point for Alyssa and really diving into this entrepreneurial journey with me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I got the degree and I think your question was the identity shift from that into the next thing. Yeah. And, and how you can use what you learned because my the podcast lifestyle engineer, what's a lifestyle engineer, right? It's basically a title that. There's principles that I'm sure you learned in school that you have applied in your business too, right? It's not going to be applied to the exact, uh, let's say, what you're working on in the summer. You're not going to do the same, but there's going to be principles that you can use. And that's where the title of lifestyle and business engineer comes from. There's these underlying frameworks that you put together, core values, pillars, mission, vision, uh, working geniuses, personality tests, all these different things you put together to create a framework that's more efficient or helps you be more efficient as a business and helps you create a culture and helps you develop in character. Um, these underlying truths that we can tap into. And I'm sure that going through school um, kind of opened your eyes up to that a little bit and helped you leverage 
your geniuses. If you could say, this is what I'm naturally gifted at. One thing, what would that be? I love marketing ideas, creative marketing ideas. So we do the one, you know, digital marketing is our thing, kind of websites and SEO. That's our, that's our main playground. But when I started the junk removal company with my partner, I discovered the immense love I have for all the different ways you can market all the offline stuff, all of the giveaways you can do, all of the ways that you can garner community support. And so that, like one of the things, like when I jump on touching calls with our clients, it's, Hey, are you doing this? Hey, are you doing that? Like I've come to learn, I think the best companies count maybe 30 to 40% on SEO and the rest are doing branding and they're doing networking events and they're, they're getting their name out into the community. And if they can do that and keep SEO, like you can crush it on SEO, but if you can do the other 70% like community stuff, you are going to dominate your market and that stuff is what fires me up the ideas for that and then creative ideas to market our company um the the idea machine i like to say i carry an idea machine on my on my shoulders you know and and uh that's that's where i really come alive so you'd be more of a visionary because under Definitely. under the marketing part like what how do you apply that creativity into different areas of your life even personally Yeah. So it comes back to the design, I suppose, um, in engineering, you know, that was something that, you know, it it always, that's what appealed to me about it was the ability to solve a problem. So, so maybe problem solving, I guess, you know, and, and applying that to, to business, but in life, it would be, you know, the same way, you know, what we've got a unique problem. How can we, how can we figure this out? Um, you know, I was just one of my, um, coaches, I, w- I was just telling him about my run last night. You know, we kind of do a daily check-in on on progress. And uh, he was like, why are you running like back and forth on your street? And one of the problems I had to solve was how do I fit running in around our busy family and business schedule? Um, and the solution was when the baby's down, I take the monitor and I carry the sound monitor in my hand and I have to run back and forth and stay within range of the house. Right. You know, and so it makes for a funny uh, GPS readout, but, but probably, yeah, because it's just Strava, like Strava, yeah, Strava readout. It's just, you know, I had one guy say like, are you, are you on house arrest? Are you not allowed off your street? <laughs> <laughs> but, but problem solving, uh, yeah. Visionary, uh, visionary problem solving. That's where I get the most alive is, is doing that and coming up with different solutions. Um, you referenced the blacksmithing, like, how do I make a forge that's affordable, you know, without paying $2,000, you know, and how do I design that? So I took some engineering and some, you know, materials I had around and created one, but that to me is, yeah, I think, I think when it boils down to, it, I would have said it was marketing, but I think it's more problem solving that. Right. Like inventing. Have you, have you investigated the six working geniuses? I think you and I chatted about it on our first call. Yeah, I, I haven't uh, looked much deeper into it. Yeah, you should definitely. So it's there's six geniuses. The acronym is widget. So wonder, invention, discernment, galvanization, and enablement and tenacity. Mm. So my best guess, and I don't like to type people if <laughs> but you'd probably be invention and wonder, which I am, right? Mm-hmm. So this idea that I like to think of potential in things. What's the potential in this person? What's the potential in this team? What's the potential in myself? And then 
problem solving is inventing. So you're creating solutions, uh, new solutions to problems, right? With what you have in front of you. And that could be professionally or personally. And someone who has the genius of invention, they struggle with without the freedom. So I recently left a job, a really good job, um, a couple of months ago. I was presenting, I was, I was part of across the seminar staff and amazing, amazing team, amazing opportunity. But what I noticed is we had to present, right? So we presented a certain material and everyone doing it was excellent at it. Present a certain material in a certain time frame with a certain flow, right? So everyone got the most um, out of their experiences possible, which 100% they should. But I really struggle with that, right? And I would get anxious for two weeks leading up to this, like making sure I got everything right, making sure the flow is right, making sure I didn't miss anything. I delivered everything as authentically me, but also without missing anything, right? And then after I started to investigate this idea of geniuses, inventors need freedom, right? So I have the same idea. I have like 10 different ideas a day and I need the freedom to be able to have those ideas. I need the freedom to problem solve. And if someone comes up to me with a problem and say, I don't know how to fix this, I can give them an idea and then they can go off and do it. So that was an epiphany for me. And it sounds like you're very similar in that way. Yeah, it's interesting. I think as you were just talking, I love how this conversation is, is going. I'm, I'm like learning stuff and taking stuff away from it. Um, as you were talking, one of the things I've been realizing is, so I, I have a degree in engineering. Everybody's like, oh, you must be so detail-oriented. I did engineering, and I, and I enjoyed the creative process of engineering. That's what I liked the most was the, was the designing, right? But I was never, I never took to the very, like I saw my classmates really methodical, really detail-oriented. That's not me. Um, and it was interesting, you know, I always thought I was not as good as some of them, right? And you kind of, as you compare yourselves to, to your classmates. And then when I get into business, I'll do anything once, Matt. I'll, I'll try anything once, right? And so what that turned into when I was starting my business is, I've, I've realized I have a really good memory for all kinds of stuff as I've started downloading this into the team better, but I would do stuff, but not write it down and document it. And I would do stuff, another thing and try it and be like, oh, it's just a quick thing. I can just dive in and do this quickly. And what I realized as you were talking is I was scared of the constriction of an SOP, right? There were, there was, there's multiple layers to it, right? But one of the things that we're diving into extremely hard right now is processes. It's not fair to my team to just be left at the whims of whatever I shoot across the Slack channel. They need right. to have a basis that we need to have an onboarding basis for new team members. Who, who's on the team? What's the history of the company? Who are we targeting? All of that. And what I'm switching my mindset to is there's actually way more freedom in that to allow me to be creative if everything else is running properly. But I initially shied away from the SOPs um, because I felt like they were too constricting. And when I say initially, I mean for the first three and a half years of business. <laughs> right. 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 And so taking that, so those are my geniuses. But everyone else on the team is 
they have tenacity. Most of them have tenacity and an ailment, which they like. People who are tenacious need clarity. And that's something that if I'm not aware of that and I need freedom and I need the ability to dream, same thing like you're saying is I can create a lot of frustration for people downstream because I'll, I'll want to try something new. I want to try this new idea. I want to create this new system, but not document it or just for no reason change things, right? Because I know they can be more efficient, but then that downstream really affects people, right? That turbulence really affects everyone downstream. So then taking your geniuses and fitting it in this structure, right? That, like I was saying before, you're engineering this culture, this team environment, so everyone can move into their zones of geniuses and really thrive. So someone like my wife, Julissa, she is... Her geniuses are tenacity and enablement. So if there's three different, uh, there's three different um, zones every project goes through. So there's an ideation phase. Wonders, invention, inventors need to come up with ideas and problem solve the solution. Then there's activation where you have discernment and galvanization. Let's get people rallied around this. Let's figure out so this is a phase. good idea. Yeah. 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 And then... Last is implementation, which is tenacity and enablement. A lot of companies and even couples, there will be someone who has an idea and they'll go right to enablement without there being any build out of clarity. So someone like my wife, if I just say, I have this an idea, I have this idea, I want to create another retreat center in the mountains. If I don't specify that I'm just dreaming right now, and if I don't, she's going to see this this retreat center as a big checkbox, right? With zero clarity. And how are we going to do that? Where in my mind, I'm like, okay, we just create these small little things over time and engineer it. Or you, so it, or really you don't beneficial. even go that far. You just say, oh, this is an idea. I kind of want to just say it to see, hear how it sounds. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I so just want you to really bounce helps. back to the idea. Yeah, exactly. So then you have to enter into different conversations with how people perceive the world too, right? Like if we are talking, I'm sure we could, talk about so many different ideas and you would not be overwhelmed. You'd and it wouldn't be energized. stick with us. We just hold yeah. it as a cool idea. It's like, oh, cool. Yeah. We're going to another, another mountain retreat. Let's, let's see what that involves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then people who are gifted at galvanizing, discerning will come alongside and make it happen. But um, yeah, it's knowing your environment. It's knowing your people, knowing how to speak to them and knowing how to engineer the systems so that everyone can thrive. Very cool. Yeah. And you mentioned when we talked about your dad and talked about how you're raised too. That could be a lot of, not a lot, but some sort of you're lacking freedom in there, right? For yourself. It was very structured. Yeah. Very structured. So you mentioned you really enjoy, obviously, marketing, like the invention piece. So bootstrapping marketing let's talk about that a little bit that's probably my favorite thing you know i work with a lot of companies right and they're like oh we don't have money for marketing so when we got started on our drunk removal company sorry before you go any further let's explain bootstrapping for maybe people don't know first sure sure yeah so in the in the startup phase we were just talking about that right you get you have an idea you want to start a business but you don't necessarily have a bunch of capital 
right? So what are some ways that you can start in on marketing without, you know, hiring an agency like us or, you know, spending a ton of money on Google um, for ads, right? So there's so many for in the service area anyway, which is where I play mainly. There's so many ways you can start interacting with your community. And in the process of starting our junk removal company, I was like, how do we tap into this? And then I can experientially say what I already know, but there's now experience of, hey, we did this and these were the results, you know, for the clients that we work with, right? So I, I tried a bunch of different things. Some of them flopped. Um, some of them some of them went well. But uh, my favorite probably was like uh, local giveaways. So on Facebook, um, well, back up, I, would, I went to restaurants locally. And I just sent on a mass email campaign, actually, with like a three email sequence. And I was like, hey, we're going to do a giveaway on Facebook. Um, and we want you to give us like a $25 or $50 gift card and be a part of this. You know, we want you to be a part of it. And all you've got to do is give us a $25 or $50 gift card. And I sent out that I probably got 15 replies from businesses. They're like, okay, cool. We'll just leave it, uh, you know, on the counter with your name on it sort of thing. And then what we did is we ran Facebook giveaways. I mean, every two weeks we would do a giveaway of like a restaurant gift card. Cause I wanted something that like everybody wanted. Everybody likes food, guys, girls, married men, married women, kids, whatever. And right? free stuff. Free stuff. Yeah. So some people give away like Yeti coolers full of stuff. And, and I was like, the guys are going to love that, but like, are the women going to like that? So it's like food kind of marries every, everybody. Um, and so we did that and we had really good success. It was a ton of fun. We do like, um, you just tagged some friends in the comments and then we do like a live, uh, spin the wheel of names and pick someone. Um, but it didn't cost us any money. All I did was, you know, reach out to people. I reached out to some restaurant owners that I knew, um, to get the ball rolling and then sent out, uh, sent out the email campaign and got a bunch of free $50 gift cards. Um, and so things like that, you know, I, I stepped back a little bit from the marketing side after about the first year in the junk removal business because it was taking off so well just with SEO here locally. Um, but I was going to do things like a scavenger hunt locally. And we have a, like a lot of walking trails. And I saw this in a um, town about two hours away. The town put on a scavenger hunt and basically each sign that they had was sponsored by local businesses. So a sign, uh, a business would buy a sign and then you'd have a map and it would be like, hey, you're here, go to this next spot and get, uh, you know, take a picture beside the sign posted on social media, tag the business or whatever. And then you get to the end place and you get like a, we were going to do like free beers or something at the, like a, a really popular beer spot. Um, but things like that. There's so many different things you can do just by talking to other business owners. Right. I had the plan all mapped out. We didn't run it because I stepped back a little bit and, uh, and it was just taking off with all the online stuff we were doing, but it wouldn't have cost us anything other than some relationships. You know, hey, you sponsor this sign. We we're going to get a sign company to sponsor the the, the posters themselves, um, and then get people to buy into it, uh, have their names on it, and then everybody's getting free exposure. We're all winning, and people right. are getting free stuff at the end. You know, there's little things like that. At least when we started our business, was like, man, these are. This stuff's fun. It makes you feel good. It makes the other companies feel good. Um, and the community feels good because they're like, this is a cool, fun thing that everybody's a part of. Yeah. Uh, my mind was, as you're talking, my invent inventor mind's like, wow, what can we do here? How can we yeah, do yeah. this? But I love that, right? It's And then talking about giftings and stuff, that sounds exciting to you. Someone mm -hmm. listening to this podcast may be thinking, 
that sounds super overwhelming and I wouldn't yeah. want to do it. So for me, I hear that like, well, thinking of those ideas sounds super exciting. Implementing them, not so much. Galvanizing them, not so much. So I think that's the power of creating a team, which you've had a lot of success in doing as well, right? And if someone listening, their business owner, what is something that they can take away I know there's, it's multifaceted in terms of building a team. What's something that they can implement that you found galvanizes a team together, creates that culture that they might want to try in their business? Yeah, so this side of it, the team building, I would say the more I learn, like over the past three months, I'm like, man, I'm a baby at this stuff. Mm. <laughs> but I've certainly, I certainly learned a lot from where I was, you know, three years ago, right? So we're all remote. So we're all over the world um, with our okay. team. We're in Alberta, we're in uh, British Columbia, uh, we're in Florida, Nebraska, the Philippines. Um, so the team building, we have uh, regular meetings um, and then we have a Slack channel. So we've got Slack channels. If, if you're not familiar with Slack, it's basically just an intercommunication channel for those who are listening, right? Where you can have different channels. So we've got a channel for customer feedback. So every time I'm with a customer and they give us good info, I drop it in there and the whole team can see it. So we're like all jazzed up, right? We've got a meme sharing channel. We've got, uh, you know, dad jokes channel. And then we've got just the general, you know, websites and SEO channels where we go in there. And that's what we talk about, right? But that's been a way. And then we have um, an awesome HR girl. Um, who is from the Philippines and she used to be HR at a university down there. Oh, wow. Um, and so she's got a ton of experience in that. So she does a lot of our hiring because that again was a lot of implementation that I, I was basically, I would go on like a job board and be like, all right, let's talk to this person. I don't hate them. Let's hire them. And that didn't right. work super well. <laughs> um, right. So Anne is able to go through and sort through, you know, the hundreds of resumes after we do a job post and make that happen. And then she also manages our culture. So she's implementing EOS for us right now, uh, like the entrepreneur operating system. And she also manages like team touch-ins, like, hey, how are you doing? Are you feeling like we're giving you enough info for what you're doing? Um, she manages our, we have a monthly team meeting. So it's, we get together on a meeting and we just have fun. So one team member leads it and it's, it's usually a game or an icebreaker or something like that. Um, so different ways, it is definitely different being a remote team, but we've found some ways to, to make it kind of come together and, you know, always looking for more ways to, to bring the team together and bring us more involved with everything we're doing. No, even those ideas, like the different Slack channels with memes and stuff, like creating different communication uh, pathways, meaning, hey, this is like a serious area. The SEO yes. sec sesh section, there's no memes in there, right? And this yeah. is where you can just kind of, <laughs> I'm sure... You probably get more memes than you do conversation the other ones. <laughs> we get a we get a few memes. So I I've kind of built our brand around dad jokes too, right? Like I I enjoy sharing dad jokes, and so we've got one where the team can drop them in, and then I'll turn them also into big reels fan. and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also a big fan. I love yeah. that. Um, yeah. And then you you talked about having people in positions, right? I think that's a really important thing for people listening is is creating leaders, right? It's it's not just about creating good employees who do their job well. If you can empower people to know what they're gifted at, like the six working geniuses, and you can empower them and elevate them and help them grow and help them become leaders themselves, that's where everyone else below them, right? So if I, if I create one of my employees into a leader, 
and they're in charge of creating someone else into a leader. I think it's uh, John Maxwell's five levels of leadership where you just keep ascending. So if there's anyone listening that needs help with this in their business, that's what I can help you with is your culture and uh, leadership development. So feel free to reach out in the show links. But Lewis, if people need help from you, if they, they're stuck somewhere, how can you help them and where can they find you? Yeah. So the biggest thing we help with is, you know, I'm, I'm always willing to jump on a call and ideate, you know, talk about different ways that you can work on your marketing without hiring us, funny enough, um, uh, because I love chatting about that stuff. Right. So always happy to hop on a call there. But where we come in, you know, and, and the companies that we work with is someone doing over half a million um, and they're ready to invest in a website or SEO, you know, to kind of take them to the next level. Right. So, you know, if you want to get in touch with us, bluecrocus.ca, blue like the color, crocus like the flower um, is the best way to to find out a little bit more about what we do and reach out. You can also I've also got my website at lewisvanderbach.com. Links back to our agency site and everything too. But, okay. Um, yeah, that's that's how you can get in touch and, and find out what we're up to and, and if for a good fit for you. Well, Lewis, this has been fantastic. Is there any closing thoughts you have? Any insight, wisdoms you want to impart to people before we log off here? Well, the, the, first of all, thank you. This has been this has been so fun. Uh, like I said, I enjoyed uh, sitting back and learning too. You know, and kind of thinking while you were talking, like. Hmm you know, discovering stuff about me, right? So definitely, you know, want to recommend people to get in touch with you. I've been following your stuff for, for not that long and you put out such such quality stuff. Thank you. Um, that, you know, anybody looking to level up definitely should be following what you're doing at the very least. Um, but I think, you know, closing thoughts, there's so many little things that I've held on to um, in the business growth and the personal growth journey, little sayings, you know, that you kind of fall back on. But, 1% better every day is the biggest one that, you know, sticks out to me. I say it to the team all the time, you know, we're going through a lot of changes, taking it from an organization where it was like, Lewis will do anything once to now the team is being empowered with the information they need to go right. make decisions themselves. Right. So it's like, right. we work through some problems. I'm like, guys, 1% every day. And now they're starting to say it back to me. Right. Um, but then the other one is it's never as good or as bad as it seems. Mm. Yeah. It's never, it's always in our mind. You know, we think it's the end of the world. And what, what I realized is you can make a sale, for example, I'm, I'm the sales team of, of the business right now. So you can make a sale and you can feel top of the world. And then you can, something else can happen. You can feel bottom of the world, like within the span of an hour. And so working to realize, hey, that's context around us. But if we step back, it's never as bad or as good as it seems. Right. That's and really I, helpful. I think it's very grounding. It's very been very grounding for me because there's uh when I said I've ridden the roller coaster, it's been a roller coaster, <laughs> you know, ups right. and ups and downs, right? So kind of leave people with that is is keep keep working. You're not where you want to be yet, and that's okay. Just keep working one percent every day. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your wisdom and your insight and all the value you gave to our audience. Thank you so much, Lewis. And make sure you, you reach out. You need website building, marketing ideas all things in that area. Lewis is your guy. Thanks, Lewis.